Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. I'm your host, Kristen Lighty, and today we have with us, I'm very excited to have Seattle comedian who I met at the Altercation Festival. You may be sensing a theme from the last few episodes, uh, but we have with us tonight, Andy Iwancio. Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. It is New Year's Day as we record. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? You know, I think my big one is to continue to try to just do one thing at once and at a time and not like a micro task all the time. That's mm. my main one. How about you? Uh, I just I I the joke one is always I'm going to use 2023 at the end of dates. That's oh. <laughs> um, the easy joke one. I mean, if you have one of if you have some shitty joke about New Year's that works, You've got once a year you can use it. I think you just nail down jokes about specific topics, and that's all you need in comedy. You just sound like you made it up today. Oh, not yeah, like fresh. Been, yeah. Not like I've been saying that for five <laughs> years. <laughs> you know, I'm curious. Uh, New, Year's, New Year's Eve shows, are you uh, pro doing them, or do you prefer not to? I did one last night. Oh, okay. Uh, the trick is to not be around after midnight. Ah. Like you, the trick is to do the show, say bye to everybody. Everybody's still stoked. You get out before the lift prices rise up on peak hours. And, uh, but then you're, you're sidled with what happened to me. Mid lift ride, the guy, my driver looks back. He's like, happy new year. <laughs> and I was like, happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a, a weird I like if I have to sell it to friends of mine like I had a wild weekend I'd be like yeah I was with the stranger at midnight don't even <laughs> didn't even catch his name <laughs> <laughs> scandal <laughs> uh but yeah just New Year's I don't I've started writing a uh I I have to finish it I keep it's one of those things where I'm doing something that if I talk about it too much I feel like I'm gonna get the dopamine from not that getting that bad dopamine hit of talking about doing something as opposed to doing it Ooh, and yeah. like uh i started writing a horror movie Ooh. and um so i've been studying like a shit ton of horror movies to like get in the mood for it but uh long and shorts it's it's a transgender it's a trans woman horror movie called dead name Ooh. <laughs> and it's, i'm already uh, in i love it uh it's i'm just trying to like i'm trying to like uh contradict all the tropes of trans women being evil in horror movies yes. so just about every single trope that there is is slightly and quietly flipped but without making it this huge performative thing but i'm setting it in baltimore because i'm from baltimore and for it to have a sense of humor would definitely dip into a little John Waters territory. Anyway, it's uh, it'll be fun. <laughs> okay, I love it. I can't wait to see it because I feel like it's such a needed movie at this point. Like the representation of trans women in horror is abysmal. Like, oof. Um. Yeah. 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 I have. I'm sure you all have done it. I'm not gonna. I'm sure you covered you've already done sleepaway camp, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I've done a few movies, uh, like sleepaway camp and, uh, I can't remember the, you know, we've talked about a few others. Um, I think I feel... the other one, uh, silence of the lamb, uh, dressed to kill. Um, uh, I mean, the crying game is another movie, although it's not like a horror movie. It's a psychological thriller, but, like all of those all have the like surprise that woman is a man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the height of this genre being Ace Ventura, Peck Detective. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the real peak of the genre. You know, when people say transphobic movie, that the phobia is built into there. So you can't help but feel like there's a flip commentary about what trans people are doing to scare and sneak into your lives. Okay. Yeah, right? As if they don't have anything better to do than fuck with cis people. Like, But in the movie, basically what happens is the father finds the uh, 
closeted trans woman's clothes and says like what are these and she's like uh he's like are these what i think it is she's like uh he's like these are your trophies (laughs) (laughs) so he thinks his trans daughter is a serial killer because she's not out as trans at all so she he just thinks his son is a serial killer and protects him and how wild that that is what he jumps to. Okay. I love it. I can't wait to see anyway, it. Anyway. Yep. Oh, okay. So Andy, why don't you tell the people a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Um, I'm a transgender woman comic. I feel like that's important. I've made a lot of trans jokes this far and haven't said anything about being transgender. At just like 20 minutes of somebody starting to compose it a text about how problematic this episode is <laughs> without <laughs> listening to the part where I say I'm a transgender woman. I'm a transgender woman. Edit this to the beginning of the episode so it doesn't sound as offensive. I did, you know, just for your sake. Um, I'm a trans woman. I can't get canceled. But uh, <laughs> I, I've just, I've been doing comedy for about 10 years and uh, I also DJ and I'm also a big nerd for cinema. I think this is all just, you know, interesting stuff. Uh, I've been touring uh, really heavily these past uh, two or three years, and I've just recorded an album and an EP on separate labels. Oh, nice. They're coming out next year. And yeah. Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. Thanks. Hell I'm, yeah. I'm, su- I'm super excited. Nice. Yeah. And like we met at altercation down in Texas. It was amazing to meet you there. Very funny set. So yeah, I'm thrilled that you could make it on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so what is your relationship with horror? Given that you are writing a horror movie, I, I'm you're probably pro horror, but uh... <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's evolved over time. I, uh, I, I, having like started to try to write some, uh, I I get the idea of why uh, comics comedians seem to be better at writing horror movies because we know it's not the pain or whatever it's the idea of like you always knowing where the twist is and if you just keep pushing out what that twist is that it becomes more and more anxious but uh, yeah I, I I've just been watching horror since I was a kid and. We weren't allowed to watch it when I was really young. We'd have to like sneak watch it on cable. You'd like <laughs> yes. change, you'd change the channel at the last minute when your parents came in. Like, ah, parents come in. What's what are you doing? It's like, ah, and it's just Barney playing instead of uh, Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I was watching this Life Alert infomercial. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Home Shopping Network. Um, Mom, I just like have this real addiction to Hummel figures. Yeah. Oh, man. I absolutely remember doing that, watching Cape Fear on VHS and like frantically like standing in front of the VCR like this while it rewound before they, you know, my parents came home like, oh, they must never know. (laughs) (laughs) You do the you do the equivalent of uh tipping and instead of uh topping off a bottle of alcohol you drank while your parents are away you record like five minutes of barney at the beginning of like every five minutes within the tape of cape fear <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> so what is the first horror movie you remember watching or that you have a, a bond with from your youth i think uh i would have to say I mean, I really loved Creep Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. like any of the anthology. Like, I have a love of EC Comics, so any sort of anthology horror show or movie, I've like been a fan of, and uh, that includes like the old Vault of Horror movie, the like the one that was uh, from England from nineteen seventy, I think like seventy two. There's a Tales from the Crypt and a Vault of Horror, like British weird. <laughs> 70s Ooh. horror uh anthology like movies and i really loved those uh the movie that i say like scared the shit out of me was that return of the living dead mm-hmm. that was just that had the scariest zombie like that stuck in my head forever that uh the uh 
what is it called tar man it's the uh there's like a a, a zombie that's in a waste barrel and it's held in there and frozen i guess and they accidentally unseal it and it's this melting zombie human and it's unreal how scary it is oh that does sound terrifying just even if it is a zombie like anything in a confined space brings me to a terrible place <laughs> oh so you've never have you watched uh what is it crawl not crawl um the descent uh you know i was just in mexico uh, like three weeks ago, and we did these tours of caves underground oh. where you like you wear a little life suit and you swim through. And uh, I was thinking about it the whole time. And then someone in the back of the tour was like, oh, this is like that movie, The Descent. And I was just like, shut up. <laughs> you know, I, that's like saying I, I that has to be like saying Macbeth in a theater. Yeah. Saying the the descent in a cave will get you eaten by albino lizard creatures. I know. I was like, you know, I like that movie. I don't want to live that movie. Please shut your mouth. <laughs> but it was a beautiful tour. You know? Um, What's your first, what was the first movie, unless this is like well-tread territory, what's your first, like, the scare that you remember? Like a specific move, like movie moment that scared the shit out of you and maybe still scares you a little bit. You know, I've been doing this podcast for like years and no one has ever asked me. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> dang. You know, I would say, oh, um, one of my first memories is watching Blood Sucking Freaks because my grandpa owned a video store. And that Holy was like, shit. <laughs> I know, oh, I was like, oh, shit. You know, <laughs> that uh, like the end cage scene where they're all kind of like, it's, it's a lot of fake gore, but that's like forever burned into my memory. And I just remember thinking like, oh, this is what movies are. Okay. <laughs> that's terrifying. You have a much scarier one. <laughs> Grandpa was a super good babysitter. <laughs> I highly recommend uh, the new Quentin Tarantino podcast, uh, Video Archives, if you haven't heard it. He and uh, his producer buddy had started working, had met working in a video store. And when the video store went out of business, Quentin Tarantino purchased the entire inventory. So the podcast is them going through like chunks of old movies three at a time and just dissecting them in this like really incredible and smart way but they cover a lot of great horror movies highly recommend but it has oh. that they it's all worship especially worship for uh every aspect of going to a video store they're still reading they'll read the backs of the video cassettes oh, <laughs> they I have a that. They have opinions on different video cassette shapes. It's it's great. Oh, I I miss a video store. Like just growing up there, I totally took it for granted. Um, I remember like I would get all the posters that were uh, you know beyond their release date. So we had he had one for the movie House with like the severed hand ringing the doorbell, and I loved it so much. And my mom would not let me put it up in my room. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, you know, video store culture is is a fond memory for me. Uh, but for us to talk about tonight, Andy has chosen 2019's Vast of Night. Uh, this stars Everett and Faye as they are basically trying to figure out what strange sound is creating a, a siege on their town while everyone is at the sporting event and no one else seems to care. This, um, you know, Bloody Mary, we go full spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, it's on Amazon Prime. Go watch it now. Um, but essentially, this is kind of a fun new take on the classic alien abduction story. And Andy, why why did you choose this movie? Uh, it was a random, like, just watch, trolling through Amazon and coming across it. And we us I usually Google what the Rotten Tomatoes score is before the movie and kind of cross- uh, cross-reference it when a movie looks good and yeah it just floored us the the first time we watched it we were just blown away and the to find out that it's like so incredibly low budget and was like a 
was entirely a uh, entirely a, a project of just this director just really loving it and processing it and the sound and video processing is just amazing. It has um as is clear throughout the movie, it has the vibe of War of the Worlds. But I didn't really catch that until later on. But uh the and also like the two anyway, anyway, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I don't wanna I'm probably gonna like step over some prepared things that you already have to say. So <laughs> oh no we we like wing it here so whatever you want to talk i say we like there's anyone helping me with this podcast but <laughs> there's um uh do you recognize the girl playing Faye? no actually that's uh this is so the movie was released in 2019 i believe it was shot in 2016 it was even earlier it took the guy, the guy, the director was was working on it for forever, but that little girl grows up. To, it, that's Sierra McCormick. She goes on to do a whole string of horror movies. She's in a shit ton of. She was in a, like a whole season and a half of uh, American Horror Stories. She was in, uh, I think it's VFW, which is about like zombies attacking a VFW hall and. Uh, and all of these old horror movie stars are in it but she's just blown up she's like a a queer icon at this point of horror but it's really neat to see her so young and like you could see it like you really see that she was gonna be really huge in terms of just from her acting ability in the movie you know, that is interesting. I do remember for her from American Horror Story because, I mean, her role in that is like, there's a lot of, like, sexy time happening. And I remember watching it and thinking, like, oh, she looks really young. Like, <laughs> and also, I did feel that in this movie as well. Like, who is this child operating a switchboard? You know? <laughs> it's, I, I, somebody, like, had said it and I said it. Uh, I, I definitely... I, there's a lot of like small interesting moves in this movie that are like choices that make it really uh great like there is no everett i mean everett and um Faye don't have a any romantic relationship which would have been which is kind of what makes it good that that mm -hmm. i mean if this was in the 80s that probably not be the case yeah but for certain. Uh, but that aspect that element keeps it in such a really particular place what was you what uh, what was how was your watching the movie i really enjoyed it i was really moved by it i i'm someone that's per, like sort of sensitive to audio um so i found like so much of it weirdly relaxing in a way like the actual alien sound itself was very intoxicating and it almost reminded me of like sound bowls, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah. So I would totally be abducted, I guess. <laughs> no, that happens anytime I'm like watching a movie about a cult. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'd I'd be taken in by this. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think there's always people who are like I think there are always people who are just like, no, nah, I would have pieced out of this cult around day two. I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna be in this cult. <laughs> oh yeah, cults would totally get me. Like the whole egalitarian living situation, everybody pitching in doing the work, like I'd be all about it. And then, you know, the bad things would start happening. Uh, the bow the the bowl the bar is so low for trans people being accepted in society if a cult's just like yeah you're she her i'm like all right i'm in this cult <laughs> <laughs> that's like the barrier like the bar for respect is so low <laughs> uh but yeah i yeah. this the sound is so good and so i yes yeah, it's, it's really spooky but i was I wore headphones to listen to it this time and it was more relaxing than I remembered. I just it didn't have a good audio setup before, but still so spooky. I'm just really mm -hmm. blown away by how spooky they make it just with these like long dialogues that are so like if you come into this movie so like with I, that's the nice thing is you can come into this movie not knowing anything and you're 
brain just goes all over the place about uh what it is what everything means and like every little aspect and detail of the movie but anyway i'm rambling <laughs> no i loved it and i really related to this idea that the whole town is kind of vacant because I live in Green Bay and actually right now there's a Packer game as well. And whenever a game happens, the whole town is like a ghost town. So it's like, it's amazing for me because I can do whatever I want. You know, I, it's like I own the town. I can go grocery shopping. I go shop for clothes. Um, you can go and forge through the basement of your library for <laughs> uh, abandoned iPods <laughs> that have... Uh, audio of UFO landings, and that might summon a very polite UFO to Wisconsin <laughs> with a cheese tray. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I I I feel like if there's a UFO landing in either Canada or the Midwest, I no, that's that's where you're gonna abduct some people. People are to be too polite to aliens. And just end up in a landing craft. Oh yeah, we totally <laughs> I, would. You know, it was just it. It was just going to be too much of you know. I'm I'm my my Midwest accent's turning Irish. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Spent a lot of time in touring the Midwest this past year, and it's been super nice. It's been some of my favorite touring that I've done. I'm sure I'm like not traveling exactly the Midwest, but just you know. I, I feel like a good deal of it. Anyway, I, uh, and then how long have you lived in uh, Green Bay? Your well, I life? grew um, I grew up here, and then 2018 to 2000 or no 2008 to 2018, I lived in Chicago, and then I moved back and I took a job with the Wisconsin Teachers Union that I was excited about. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yes. uh, my partner who uh, my partner Linus plays Dungeons and Dragons with kids for a living. And I taught DJing for a while, so we're all nice. creative teacher types. But um, did I? There's there's so much good, like small, like the sequence of them just moving through the school and just like all it's moving through the school un, uh, auditorium and just all the small details they get right about so many different parts of what I imagine that period was like. Hmm. Yeah, there were so many beautiful shots in the film. And I just watched a, a interview with some of the cast and the director, and I guess they got a golf cart from a local teenager where they were filming, and they <laughs> used that, like laying down on the golf cart to film up as they go down these tiny roads. So it, it was really fun. It had such a feel of like DIY, like old school Romero, like everybody chip in a little to make the movie happen. So it was really like beautiful in that sense. I really loved it. Uh, we were, uh, me and my partner were talking about it ap before uh, when I was rewatching the movie, talking about different aspects of it. And it seems to nod in so many slight ways to so many movies, but just oh, really yeah. so tiny way. Um, them playing back the reel to reel of the uh, woman saying the words she heard her baby say at night, and it triggers the two people in the front of the car. Like the playing the tape back and that causing a reaction is such so Evil Dead. Mm -hmm. And then um, the navigating camera on the like you're talking about moving through the streets, especially at some point definitely feels like uh we were talking about it me and my partner were talking about today it could be uh a probe of some sort like mm -hmm. you are like it does legitimately seem like it could be and that's kind of neat is the way they don't draw hard and fast rules about some of the stuff that it that it's doing with the storytelling so you just kind of start writing all of these like different um conspiracies or like plans in your head about what all of it means. Yeah. I was curious to ask you, what does the alien abduction symbolize to you? Um, I think that, uh, I think if you use it as a, uh, if you talk about the uh, era in which this is happening, maybe it's the idea of a, a swell or difference of a coming age 
Like, this is, you know, we still have the, like, Communist Party kind of slogan thrown in there. Like, this is on the precipice of maybe more, like, social change. And so the idea that they took very, take very young people for the most part. We talked about the idea that, like, you have to be, you know, you if you're a certain age, you can hear it. But if you're a certain age, you couldn't hear it. I, I We had different thoughts, uh, but it is a very, and this time listening to it and hearing the, the subtle tones within the, uh, the tone, the alien tone, it definitely evokes uh, close encounters of the, was it fourth kind? Close encounters of the fourth or fifth kind, that movie, uh, the do, 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 do. And like that, uh, just the music evoking those notes, and I, I, I hadn't heard it, just listening to it on my TV, but hearing in the headphones, it definitely, it evokes so much. Do you see any uh, movie connections like that, or things that you know? I when I was thinking about this movie, it was as I was watching it, I was thinking a lot about like. Well, I was torn because I feel like the government or the alien abduction is something that is almost like soothing and relaxing and something better, right, than what people are living in. But like the things that jumped to my mind were like the Tuskegee Project and like, you know, government control over people um, where we wouldn't suspect that it was happening, you know. She says it in the movie, and that's when the wildest, when it, uh, when so much about what we know about the aliens slowly heightens and heightens and heightens. When the, when the lady's sitting there and talking out everything that they, that she knows, and it starts, like, ramping up, like, how much they might be involved but yeah, the other call, the Tuskegee experiment call, like that's a, clearly a reference to it. Yeah. Yeah, I did feel too like it could even just be something as wide as colonization. It does so much with so little, and I just so much appreciate and love all of those details. And then like the, um, I mean, the most obvious reference to another movie is that the, uh, the TV station, or not the TV station, the radio station's call sign is W-O-T-W, which is in reference to War, War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, look at me being, I, I feel like erudite and smart anytime I memorize the trivia section of the IMDb page. <laughs> it, it makes me sound so smart. Yes, uh, I think you'll find W-O-T-W is the call signs of the of the station that's also war of the worlds also james bond has worn the same watch 27 times across <laughs> 38 films it's also an important thing that i've noticed in you such know. other comment sections yeah in my, in my other work in my other imdb comments <laughs> nice i loved the nod to war of the worlds especially since it was you know, the world of worlds was a radio show that everyone listened to and created panic about. But this movie is about a radio show no one is listening to, but they should be panicked about. So I thought that was like a fun inverse thing. Yeah, like actual panic about the actual thing. And and I think we hear Everett knowing that it could cause panic and that being like a really evolved thing. I just there's so many times where the kids are talking like old-timey like old-timey uh pool sharks and different movies and it's just so fun to pick apart i i know it wasn't gory i what were you expecting for how spooky was it spooky to you you know it felt a lot like a play to me watching it and maybe it's the cadence of the dialogue that had something to do with that too i was expecting some more jump scares not gore, but more like, you know, uh, and it didn't have that. And part of me was like, it felt like I was almost surrendering to the film, like not knowing what to expect in a way. So that was kind of fun as a viewer to just be like on this journey with them. Like aside from like one thing, it's like a PG rated horror movie. Like there's so much you can just like, uh, have fun enjoying the movie and i think there's one curse word 
like it's it's i i i enjoy the uh challenge of that of those restrictions of trying to make it very spooky but not i don't I, there's something really interesting to me about that I, there there's a couple like movies i would count as uh, pg rated horror movies so the idea of a just about pg horror movie is super interesting to me and the way that they build tension in such a limited way you like have only like a palette of so many colors to terrify the shit out of you and mm -hmm. they do it with audio and like the phone call billy's phone call is so fucking scary to me i know i i totally agree uh especially when it like the screen will go dark and you're just kind of sitting with only the audio there's right? so many there's so many small moments like that that are so is so incredible anyway I, when, I gush about this movie all the time <laughs> when billy was giving his speech and his narrative i was so captivated by what he was saying i didn't notice that the screen just went black and i would like kind of come to and be like wait was it black the whole time or did something happen to the tv and, like it really messed with me it was so good it I, I'm so excited to see whatever this dude does next. He's one of those people that like clearly takes so much time with these movies. You don't know what's going to happen. And I'm sure he has that like anxiety, that like sophomore anxiety. Like, that, Oh yeah. <laughs> better um, be good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I love slow builds to horror and spookiness and i've realized that that's what i like out of uh out of horror movies now and like i've i've seen so much gore and i've watched so many movies but like the stuff that like just slowly builds on in dread that's why i'm such a huge fan of uh mike flanagan and just like all he's done with like midnight mass and um haunting of hill house and gerald's game and I think the other one was Hush, and then the other one that I really like is Ouija, Prelude to uh, Prelude to Evil, and mm. Oculus. Mm. Uh, I, I did love Hush so much. That was oh, edge of my seat kind of movie. So the uh, so Mike Flanagan's first movie is uh, Oculus, which is the one with the haunted mirror. Oh yeah, like, I do remember that one. So the haunted mirror is called the Lasser Glass. And it's a fun thing that's almost like that. Uh, I think it's uh, so there's the TV show. Is it uh, St. Elmo? It's not St. Elmo's Fire. It's a uh, it was a soap opera about a hospital, St. Elsewhere. And um, at the end of the series, they make it you like zoom out to see the hospital in a snow globe. And it turns out a kid imagined the entirety of the series from the snow globe what? <laughs> and so but the but the thing is is that when saint elsewhere was on the air it had been around for so long that it had actually interacted with different tv series and so detective munch from uh munch from uh law and order had been on saint elsewhere as detective munch and so then you can uh theorize out that law and order exists within the same universe of this kid looking at St. Elsewhere. And so there's like all these interconnected, interconnected things. And I feel like you could do the same with, um, basically the, the evil mirror that's in, um, Oculus is in every Mike Flanagan movie. So like everything he's done, Prelude to Evil, Doctor Sleep, Midnight Club, Midnight Mass, Haunting of Hill House, all have this haunted mirror secretly hidden in the back of like one of the hallways. And part of the fun is trying to like spot it. But the idea of like all these intersecting realities just from placing one thing in all of your movies, I just, I, I love that slow, like, you scare yourself just paying attention to details. I, yeah. I don't know. 
That sounds it's, so fun. I love a scavenger hunt in my movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, that Haunting of Hill House has um, ghosts in the background of almost every scene, and it scares the shit out of me. It's like a, it's like close to 75 to 80 ghosts throughout the series just in the backgrounds or just hanging out in the backgrounds of shots. And it's scary to me. And it builds slow like this does. Mm -hmm. Do you do you like more jump scares or do you like a slow building of dread? Um, you know, I have to say I do love a good jump scare, uh, but I can also appreciate that slow building. I like to mix it up. You know, I like all kinds of terror in my life. <laughs> That's good. Variety is the spice of life, especially you know, when it especially think... when it comes to somebody's uh chest being disemboweled <laughs> go ahead sorry you think. oh you know i think i like jump scares in the theater and i like the building dread at home because in the theater you have the moment when everyone goes ah, together and it's so fun um but at home you know you want that quiet dread for your home i like that <laughs> <laughs> i love that you 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 you've compared uh building dread to a macrame string holding up a plant yeah <laughs> I, like the, <laughs> I like the slow building dread of the pandemic really made me get into macrame oh and yeah i think of i think of macrame as a slow building dread because is that planter gonna fall off the wall or is it not yeah how good were your skills <laughs> will it stay up into that constructed dreadlock or will it fall i yeah it's it's uh it's beautiful it's a beautiful metaphor yeah i think my favorite character in vast of night was mabel blanche like she was fun i yeah mabel's she's wild i i everett's so good mm, he's, mm -hmm. he's such a wes i mean it's like the other fun of this is how it's so close to what a Wes Anderson horror movie would be like. Like oh. there's so much that's specific about the setups and the like angles. And uh, again, you can like dissect this movie a thousand times to uh, get all of the details. And it's all, uh, it has to be on purpose because the, the guy, the director previously made all his money to make this movie by shooting shorts and editing shorts for the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder basketball team. He worked oh, wow. in editing clips and content for uh, NBA games, which is why the most of the money in the movie was spent on uh, in the basketball auditorium. They like rebuffed the floors and removed a line uh, free throw line which didn't exist until I think 1970s so it would have been <laughs> anachronistic to have this line on the basketball court in the high school so most of the money went to re removing the uh, anachronistic lines from the high school gym because I think that like there's something to a dude who's edited NBA clips for so long I think people would have given him shit <laughs> the line wasn't there so like the to to like know that that much detail went into a single set of lines on a ground that is maybe in the movie for less than eight minutes wow so fucking good that is amazing detail i i gotta say if the wrong basketball lines were there i would not have known <laughs> but th that he cared enough mm-hmm but Just someone like, would, and you know they'd be on the internet about it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they would say something negative on Twitter, and then they would go on IMDb to say that Daniel Craig's eyes are the same color as the, uh, the, the seas in the water of the Mediterranean in Casino Royale as it is when he falls into the cube. Been see and the world is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I it's, yeah. When it comes when it comes to very straight dudes, you get so straight that you start leaving comments about Daniel Craig's body. 
on IMDb <laughs> trivia <laughs> sections for James Bond. Uh, yeah, Daniel Craig would be. I I I loved Glass Onion, and I I love the idea of like a who done it and like Italian Jallos. So the idea of like trying to figure out this fucking movie when you have no you don't know the you don't know the like director you don't know the writer you have to try to piece together like what kind of movie this is and that it's rewarding and is different things to different people depending on how they like see the movie it's just i don't it's 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 really great it, i don't i i'm a nerd for this movie but i know that it doesn't feel like it could be horror right mm-hmm. it feels more spooky than anything else but i think that uh the way it builds dread and like spookiness and scariness and just sound is so so just interesting is there any like movie that you think horror movie that you think about that has like a spookiness to the sound or the soundtrack oh i i guess maybe like the original suspiria like mm-hmm. with the sound and um you know not exactly knowing what's going to happen but also sharing that sense of dread um yeah yeah it, it's very unique though um i'm curious what is your favorite part of the movie uh i think i i it's the dialogues with both billy and mabel they're you're just listening so much but watching a movie that you kind of like fall out of place and then for them to have these long dialogues you would like if you're watching any other movie would just be like okay you're talking really slow Mm -hmm. they do such a great job of both Faye and Everett like talking at such a fast pace even when the um they do that funny crosstalk scene when they're oh, yeah. meeting up with a couple in the middle of town and exchanging information and talking over each other which is like evoking the same cross like a party line that you don't have yet in phones it like they the ideas of communication are broken down at such a wild level you get like the idea of this like uh squirrel having bitten into a piece of wire being a story that's transmitted to like five different people throughout the Mm -hmm. course of the movie really speaks to i again like there's so many layers to this fucking movie (laughs) you know uh, as a viewer too trying to put all that conversation together it was like i could feel myself sorting it like okay what is the mundane and what is a plot point and was it a squirrel or a chipmunk that bit through the wire (laughs) like (laughs) i i highly recommend uh it definitely is a movie that rewards uh multiple watchings because it's not like I I think you're not ready for again how fast the kids talk and then like but the contrast of how fast the kids are talking back and forth and how that narrative works when it starts to slow down and you hear them get serious and then like the phone calls with Billy and the and the dialogue and phone call with Mabel are the slowest parts of the movie and it scares the shit out of you how slow they take it. And mm-hmm. it just builds so much tension. And they're so interesting. Like they do, like it wouldn't have the same effect if they had a montage of what they were saying happening on screen wouldn't be nearly as scary as them like just talking about it. And mm-hmm. I don't, it's a, it's a balance and a beauty of how it represents small town gossip and how like uh it ties all these different thoughts into it i mean they they talk about communism they talk about race in there they talk like it has a bunch of tiny things and i don't think it needs to i don't think it dwells on any of them uh too long and it isn't until you like rewatch it a couple times where you're like 
catching every little thing of it uh and really like even catching some of the jokes or funny like banter uh yeah no it's it's a movie that has a a lot but uh it does a little with it does a lot with a little but then like still so much that you have to like go back and watch um but you've watched it once or did you watch it a couple times or just once yeah uh give it a couple days then watch it i highly recommend watching it again uh watch it once with head wounds once without because like uh i noticed that the soundtrack kind of being my ear for this one was a little too constant and i felt it was better when it was kind of haunting the room Mm. when it kind of felt like it was in the room or you're just I'm I'm realizing that just hearing it in the room and having it just kind of hum and emit from the TV, like, I it maybe even, like, if I'm reading too much into it, that's why the TV is there. We're meant to watch it on a TV, to watch the TV be a part of the, you know, hypothetical paradox theater. Ooh, I love that. I also love in the film, like the nod to production itself, like um, Everett and Faye were so excited about this handheld recorder and how much we take for granted just having like a camera, a recorder, everything right in our pocket, in our phone. And I think them like really taking a moment to relish in that is just so cool to show us like how far we've come technologically. And like at the end, it also jumped out to me because like all that's left is the video recorder or I'm sorry, the audio recorder. And it's kind of like this statement of like, we are what we create and what we leave behind. And I just, I thought that was so beautiful. I really loved the ending. I I just, I always forget how wild the ship looks. And because there's so much lack of effects the whole time, I'm like, it like watching the ship and like seeing like, like picking out the details it looks real <laughs> it looks real good it looks like a star trek ship it looks and like the just, borg right <laughs> i would i would say it looked more like a romulan ship if we're okay. being honest yeah. uh uh but that's too nerdy uh but seeing like the the scale of it we were talking about how much like it had a huge scale to it and the idea of it not being like I think the thing that blindsides us more is that it isn't just a floating disc. It isn't just like we're expecting like them to come out to a classic fifties thing yeah, and for them and nine. <laughs> and like for it to be like have the scope that's impossible to like uh comprehend, I think that is that that's what you're looking for if you're looking to stun humans and abduct them. You want a big ship. So if you ever, like, abduct humans out in the desert from, like, a car or, like, in the sea, you want it to be bigger than it needs to look. A lot of lights. You're looking to, you cover a, you cover a truck with Christmas lights and call me she, her from the like sliding door i'll get into any windowless fan <laughs> i just it's not again the bar is so low just the right pronouns and opening a door and there's christmas lights to dazzle me and like the hum like the electric cars give off now <laughs> that, well i i feel like that's a shout out to our listeners you know if you want andy you know how to get her now <laughs> yeah of course uh, uh yeah i don't i'm easy to book i'm easy to book <laughs> if you want me in your call i'm easy to book i just just a she her like she her out of like a, a van door and I'm like you wave me over and i like step into traffic i'm like i want to get into your van and come on side <laughs> dunk and I'm never seen again. And then you find me and I've like thinned myself to an emaciated state. And now I'm worshiping Case Raniere outside of his jail. Oh, like, no. 
<laughs> I see it happening. And you know what? I'm not upset at it either. Oh, no. Okay. Well, we'll take care of you and make sure that does not happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's on my rider now. <laughs> so, Andy, any final thoughts on the Vast of Night? Um, It's so fucking good. I think we're in a... I was watching it earlier and uh, my partner Lydis said woken up too late for me to start watching it. So I think we're going to watch it soon again. I just, it's, uh, it is, if anything to any, anyone uh, who's listening to this and slightly creative, it was done on such a small budget and it was done by somebody who's a first time director off of, I think a couple a uh, screenplay from two first time writers like just the simplicity and and attention to detail is like it makes you want to go write something it really does and uh that kind of like creativity at it just like small scale when budgets are so huge now uh you know, budgets are huge and movies are too long for my taste. So I really appreciate, I love a 90 minute movie. I think that's perfect. I, I think it makes all the smaller moments really taut too. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I mean, things like uh, Barbarian, where it's just, there's, there's a simplicity and a straightforward nature to some of these scripts that I'm like starting to realize is kind of the beauty of horror movies is the way they just build tension and this is such my pace and Flanagan's such my taste uh such my like kind of pace and like Barbarian was I I I do the thing where um I am still a scaredy cat about a lot of horror movies so I will wait for the movie to come out and then look at the uh I will look at the plot on Wikipedia so I know what happens in the movie <laughs> and I'm not as scared. And I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not the only one. But also I just I don't want to find out this is the new movie that's like got a trans person. Uh oh, like yeah. weirdly, I will I will say this as a last thing. I think the weirdest thing about uh trans people uh trans people aren't done as the villains in uh horror movies now it doesn't really happen but body horror is often like even cronenberg stuff is kind of like some of it does edge on making commentary on people changing gender like cronenberg movies sometimes feel like they're like Oh, people are changing their gender. Imagine when they start putting penises on the ends of their elbows and a vagina in their armpit. And like that's like the like the disgusting end. Where does it end? Here's a dude whose face is in his butt. That's like a <laughs> lot of Cronenberg and like body horror. But like the idea of body horror is the thing that uh and obviously salt uh seeing some of that in horror movies now is kind of like i don't want to see some of that so yeah. i like to know what i'm dealing with yeah uh, that's a good point but the most important question is uh what song or sounds needs to be playing out of a windowless van covered in christmas lights to taunt you in like what Ooh. to you what's playing out of the van like this has a constant thrum and then what it sounds like spanish guitar played over the sound of a vacuum cleaner <laughs> and like the asmr of it is incredible it does sound like you're the neighbor of a mexican restaurant and you can hear it coming through the wall and it's very like just charming like mm -hmm. it is definitely the asmr of living of uh, living next to a mexican restaurant and being like charmed by it but what's the sound that draws you into the windowless van? Oh, it's what's totally that? it's totally 90s Riot Girl. Anything like <laughs> Red Ants, Luna Chicks. Like, I just I feel like instant trust and solidarity with anyone that also likes that music. So I'd be in that van so quick. <laughs> somebody's somebody's just like, 
hey, I've got all these old K records. Do you want uh, do you want some of them? And then like Bratmobile is playing <laughs> yes, out yes, of it. I do. You're just like, this is <laughs> it's like green room, but it's a van. <laughs> yeah. And we're oh yeah, that would totally get me. So I'd be like, you couldn't be bad and like those bands, right? <laughs> Does not compute. I had pitched that to a friend of mine uh was a friend of mine who's a comedian and a writer i'd pitched the idea i keep giving away plot ideas for movies mm-hmm. but like a, uh like a uh rivers como type person who's this just like really a uh emo but attractive to like all of these different people but he's like traveling around and it turns out each one of his like catchy pop songs is about him uh killing someone oh that's awesome all the toxic soccer songwriting of like weezer songs when you go back and examine them i which i don't buy into entirely it's very clickbait article to be like this song's old and now it's not okay Mm -hmm. um but the idea of like that happening in a horror movie would be really kind of neat because i would watch that i'd watch the shit out of that that sounds great What's your ideal horror movie? I'll end on this. What's your ideal horror movie a spin? Like, what's the way to flip a trope that you don't like in a horror movie? Oh, that I don't like. Um, I don't like anything that is like, oh, she got her heart broken and now she's mentally ill and a murderer. And <laughs> like, oh, no, like we have therapy now. It's going to be OK, <laughs> you know, or or, or kind of like any trope where they use someone's mental illness as just like a blanket catch all for like. And now they murder and like, mm, come on, we need a little more nuance than that. Yeah, that's uh, when I was listening to video archives, they had a uh, uh, Eli Roth on and they're <laughs> all talking about what an American, uh, what Jalo films. And also I need to speak that, uh, Roger Avery's daughter is the other host of the podcast. So they do have like a feminist perspective and you get to hear that Quentin Tarantino can listen to other people. Oh, uh, that's good. Uh, but yeah, I, the mental illness part of it, the idea of multiple personalities being just like a, uh, like a catch all to, mm-hmm movie uh, uh like some horror movies and stuff that's the same i ride that in the same line as them doing like the trans women thing I think oh like, yeah uh is it rules of attraction that has that that's like a model anyway anyway uh yeah but how do you flip it though do you have like somebody who's how do you flip a person with is it maybe that the person who's got a borderline personality disorder has an approximation of a person faking that a person with BPDR had committed a crime? I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah. See, that's why you're the writer. You're the writer, baby. <laughs> no, I'm sure you could write it. Um, so where can people find out more about you, Andy? Like what you're up to and what are you excited about? This will come out in like two weeks. You can find out anything that I'm doing by looking at Andy Awancio on all of the different social media platforms now. Uh, Hive, Mastodon, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, FetLife, Facebook, uh, Space Hay, uh, I think News Post, is that another one? But mostly my Instagram and my uh, Twitter the best place to find me and uh i believe that this is coming out in two weeks then my album is coming out on the or my ep that i recorded for radland records is coming out in uh i believe three weeks if we're being honest the 23rd oh that's so exciting um e people come out on radland records it's only 18 minutes long, so you don't have to listen to it. There's not much to listen to that makes the record cheaper. And uh, it's a set that I recorded in Glendale at the Glendale Room in L.A. And uh, it was produced for by uh, Kyle Clark, really funny comedian. It's out on Radland Records. 
which is a really small indie comedy label that has like a bunch of other great albums coming out this year but there will be a if you're in LA there'll be a release party on uh January 22nd at the Lyric Hyperion from 2 to 4 p.m. and we'll just be me getting very drunk and being very happy in this way but towards people in person um, oh yay <laughs> but uh yeah i'm really excited about it. you can catch everything everywhere about it i'm sure i'll ramble more anyway awesome uh, well congrats on your ep and your album that's awesome i'm so excited for you yeah thank you for having me i i, I really enjoyed the uh the, the podcast at episodes that you recorded altercation and you have good people on and ask good questions oh I'm thank you i try yeah <laughs> thanks for being on that's been andy i've been Kristen. this has been bloody mary have a good night